In the process of meditation, we find that we are not one continuous personality, that we are not a body, that what our real being is, is light. We are one continuous consciousness. And this consciousness is a consciousness of light. This is our nature, our substance, and our essence. When you meditate very deeply and go inside your self or experience yourself, that is all that there is. One continuous, all-pervasive, perfect, all-blissful consciousness. When we have our eyes open, when we're in the world, we don't see that continuous consciousness in quite the same way that we do when we're in meditation. Rather, we see it in manifestation. All the peoples, places, beings, and forms that you experience in this or any other world are supported by that continuous consciousness that is the soul of reality. Just as a great fleet of boats, of ships, floats upon the ocean, supported by it, so all of life floats upon an essence, a fathomless essence. All things arise from this essence, are sustained by it, float in it for a while, and then one day they dissolve back into it. This essence is not physical, although it sustains the physical. It is not even spirit in the conventional sense of the term spirit. When most people say spirit, they're referring to what is termed the subtle physical or astral, the etheric planes of being. It is invisible. And yet manifests itself in and through the visible. This is its mystery. The mystery of eternity. In meditation, in self-discovery, We seek to make our mind quiet so that we can perceive this essence, this eternal reality, which is existence. When you do this, a happiness and joy fills every atom of your being that is beyond description because there is such goodness such completion in the source of life, in the essence, which Lao Tzu referred to as the Tao, which some refer to as God, some nirvana. There is such completion and perfection there that all else seems immaterial, in the sense that we have gone into the very nature, into the very heart of existence. And there we are complete. Whereas when we're in the world of women and men, we see all around us division, Partiality, 
cars running down the freeways, people talking, wars, birth, maturation, decay and death, plants, forests, cities, slums, stars, all of the things that we are conversant with in the physical world follow a cycle. And this cycle is nature. Nature is the outer reflection of the timeless perfection of existence. This ultimate intelligence, which has no parent, which has always been and will always be, which is beyond time, place, and condition. Each day when you meditate, each day when you give more of yourself to others, you open a doorway to that which is always there, but which you do not always perceive, your essence, that which completes you. When you get caught up in the storms of your passions and emotions, you forget. Already you have forgotten, since you came into this life, that which you came from. And if you look really deeply inside yourself, not inside your body per se, but inside that which is your awareness, you will see, as you open up the cover of the book of your life and delve deeply into the chapters and pages, you will see this all-luminous perfection. As you become more conscious of this all-luminous perfection, as it's something that you still yourself in each day, you will find that it will have a great effect upon your life you will find that you no longer exist in the planes of being, of awareness that most human beings do. At first, this may seem frightening or awesome, because you observe, after your adventures in meditative consciousness, you observe that your personality is dissolving. Or it might be more correct to say that your personality is only a shell, it's only a very thin cover. Everything that you thought yourself to be, what you assumed you were, your memories, emotions, thoughts, feelings and concerns, are only a thin, thin shell, the outer perimeter of your being. But inside your being is large, infinite, awareness, endless, fathomless perfection. And just as a snake sheds its skin, so as you meditate and you experience that which you really are, you shed your personality. The person you grew up with and have come to know over the years begins to change. You've outgrown the limited personality structure and you seek to live without a personality. That is to say, just to be in that essence all of the time. But still in this world, it's necessary to get through the day. Unless you plan to go off to a high mountain top and you have all the supplies you need and you never have to deal with anyone and can sit perpetually absorbed in that state of meditation. If, like most of us, you live and work in the world, it's necessary to find a way to deal 
with traffic jams, tax forms, people who love you, people who make demands upon your time and energy, a high-tech society where computers are the language of the day, where children no longer study Greek or Latin, but instead they now study Pascal, Basic, Cobol, Fortran. It's necessary to learn to deal with your turbulent emotions. You can sit absorbed in meditation and be nothing but that perfect ecstasy and light beyond any description. But then, after meditation, an emotional maelstrom may sweep around you and through you, pulling you into it, self. Fears come through you, doubts, ideas, great inspirations, passions, loves, hates, sorrows. Wonderful feelings of love and self-giving. But they sweep through you. A moment ago, you were absorbed in meditation. There was no question. There was no answer. There was only a still perfection so complete that you actually forgot about this life and this world. It went away for you. You had reached the purpose and fulfillment of human life. You have merged with the self, that which you really are and we all are. You'd become one with God. You'd gone up to the top of the mountain and not simply talked with God, but merged. But now here you are again in the world after this incredible transcendental experience where you were absolute knowledge and absolute light and absolute perfection and your phone is ringing and someone wants to talk to you. And the bills are waiting to be paid. And the world is running away in its own ways. The newspaper is telling you of fresh disasters. Your body is growing old. You're tired. The energy fields from all the other human beings who were so caught up in a storm of turbulent emotions, sweep through the world every day. They touch you and affect you, even if you're not physically with others. They're energies. Those energies that make this world a world of constant transition. You're sensitive to them. How do you deal with it all? Ideally, you would maintain that perfect tranquility and joy that radiance, which can assume any form or any emotion in and through all of your activities. But some days that's tough to do. So the caretaker personality is a way that has been evolved whereby You can deal with the world, your families, friends, your own emotions, while you exist in the world, when it's not necessary for you to to use the personality form, you can put it on the shelf and let it rest. And you can just be absorbed in the all-blissful light. You can be in complete awareness, in other words, using every part of your mind every part of your being, absorbed in its ultimate purpose. But when you have to step into the world, you need to wear something. At home you may lie in bed with nothing on, or at best go around the house in a little robe. But when you go out into the world, you have to put on a uniform, If you're in the business world, you may be wearing one uniform. If you're playing sports, it may be another uniform. 
If you're going out with your friends, it may be a casual uniform. If you're a nurse, it's a white uniform. In other words, we wear different types of clothing. We try and wear clothing that's suitable to an occasion. If you're going mountain climbing, you're not going to wear a three-piece designer suit. If you've been invited to have lunch with the president, you're not going to go in your jogging shorts. Unless, of course, you're Woody Allen. The caretaker personality is a way of choosing what you wear, not simply in terms of clothing, but in terms of personality. As you meditate and go more deeply within yourself, you come to see that you don't have one personality. You have many, many personalities. Know thyself is a splendid idea because it is that absolute self that we come to know, that timeless reality. But at the same time, it's also apropos to know thyselves because you have many, many selves. There are many, many personality forms that operate through you. And as you peel back the layers of your outer being, you come to see that many selves are what you are, and that these selves all speak. They all have different voices. They talk through you. And of course, beyond these many selves is that one immutable, perfect light. All of your selves float, suspended, as a fleet of great ships floats in the ocean. For a while, our attention is focused on one ship. We're on one board, we're on board one ship, experiencing what's there. Then we find ourselves in another ship, then another. So the different selves that float in a suspension of consciousness, this aggregate of different realities, which is what you're really made up of, of different worlds, speak from time to time. But these are inner selves. We have inner selves, but we have outer personality forms. So what I'd like to do is present a few caretaker personalities that you can adopt to work in the world and to have fun and to be joyous with. These are uniforms that you wear, clothing that you put on, and that you also take off. Wear that caretaker personality, which is apropos, which is appropriate for that which you are doing. Don't be afraid to be creative and change these caretaker personalities. Modify them as you will, and you'll find that they tend to modify themselves in time. I'm suggesting that you be an architect of your own being, that just as you can choose your clothes, so in advanced yoga and meditation you learn to choose your personalities. This occurs when you have the realization that the personality is not really your real self, but just like your clothing, a transitory experience. If you had become convinced one day when you were walking around that your clothing was your skin, you might always wear the same clothing. You didn't realize there was anything underneath. So most individuals don't realize that there's something beyond their personalities, that actually the personality is something that is not the complete self, but it's something transitory that comes and goes. 
whereas the real self is that which is eternal, unchanging, and perfect. In the early stages of meditation, let's say the first seven years, the first seven to ten years, that you're intently practicing meditation every day, those years in which you're sweeping your island and cleaning it up, bringing discipline into your life, eliminating and controlling unhappy thoughts, unhappy emotions, learning to go deeper and deeper into that still and perfect reality of being, the Brahman, the one without a second. There are two basic caretaker personalities that are very, very helpful for dealing with the world and for yourself, with yourself. The first caretaker personality is the child. The second is the warrior. Each has its own conditions, each its own strengths. One is appropriate in one situation, the other in another situation. You can alternate them by day or by minute as is necessary. And you'll find it easier and easier to alternate them as the flow of consciousness becomes freer in your being from your meditation. If the water is frozen into ice, then the ships can't move. Our fleet, if the ocean is frozen, is locked tight. When the sun comes, when the light comes and the ice thaws, it's very easy to move the ships around. There's nothing to it at all. They just glide back and forth. Or we don't even have to direct them. The wind will blow them where they're supposed to be, you might say. So the first is the child. The caretaker personality of the child is innocence. Just think of the idyllic, if you will, qualities of the child. Excitement, love, trust, humility, purity, joy. I'm speaking of a very young child, a very good child. About age four. The child who looks with wonder and awe at all of the world. Who sees magic in everything. Who is not preoccupied with her or himself. The child who becomes absorbed totally in the moment. If the child wants a cookie, that's all that matters in the whole world. But as soon as the child has the cookie, the child is off on another adventure. The child who doesn't give up or get frustrated because things don't work out the way she or he had planned because the child doesn't plan. The child lives in the moment. If the child meets with a frustration and cries and is upset, within a moment the child can be running off to play someplace else, having forgotten, not being hung up. The child who doesn't sit around and live in the world of memory, but lives in the moment. All that matters is the moment. And this is the child who grows, who learns a language in a year, who adopts concepts as most people get older they tend to lose the elasticity of their consciousness they don't shine as brightly their subtle being becomes worn and tired the child has a perfect subtle physical being the child is luminous radiant the child doesn't know that it can't do certain things It isn't filled with fears. These are just some images of the caretaker personality 
of the child. You can use this caretaker personality. In other words, you can enter into this mode of consciousness. You can choose to do so. When you're with friends whom you can trust, who love you and who you love, when you're with yourself, when there's no one else around. In other words, when it's safe. The child should not be around people who would abuse it because the child has no natural defenses. Its own innocence will not necessarily protect it. Some people make a great mistake. We saw a lot of this in the 1960s when a lot of people tried to become like children again. They were using various chemicals, LSD, psilocybin, mescaline, and things like that. These chemicals did, to a degree, loosen up the ice of consciousness. However, they did so in a very volatile way. It was like taking a sledgehammer and going out and smashing the ice. And it only broke through in certain places. And then it would freeze again as soon as the effect of the drug wore off. And even during the experience, it was not clear. In other words, psychedelic drugs gave and give people a certain glimpse of that which lies beyond. But it's like going to the funhouse and looking in one of those mirrors that change your shape. You don't see an accurate reflection. You may be very tall or very small or very fat as you look in one of those funhouse mirrors. So the view that drugs give while it is a reflection to some extent of the nature of reality, it's bent out of shape and it doesn't last. Also, those drugs do have a detrimental effect on the subtle physical being. The problem with the people from the 60s was that they adopted, most of them, the caretaker personality of the child. They found while they used these various drugs and it opened their being up, they were able to make some tremendous changes in their being, in the structure of their being, which is originally why people like <clears throat> Timothy Leary and Richard Alpert were very fascinated by these, the potential of these drugs. They found that when they used them, that a person who, in a sense, might be fixated, who couldn't change, an alcoholic who uh, for 30 years had been an alcoholic and there seemed no real possibility of change, who tried everything, might take one of these drugs, and the effect was so strong that that person would actually change. They would become a different person, perhaps a person who didn't drink. So they were initially very excited as serious psychologists about the possibilities that these new chemicals offered. And as they used these chemicals, they found they had glimpses of eternity with them. And these glimpses of eternity caused them to seek further to learn about meditation and other forms of self-discovery. However, the problem with these chemicals was that the reflection is not clear, it's bent, and that the effect, the change, does not always last. In some cases it did, but it was a rougher change. Uh, the transition wasn't smooth. And also, that these chemicals very often would have a, a negative effect. People who use them too much would become very spaced out. Uh, it undid the glue of their awareness, but the glue didn't necessarily rebond properly. The personality structure would partially dissolve, or two might meld together, or in some cases the glue just wouldn't rejoin properly, and the person would be in a very confused state of mind perhaps for the rest of their life. These chemicals do offer certain opportunities for total and intensive change. But they have to be used very precisely in a very specific way. And even then, 
all they can do is give someone an initial boost, kind of get them out of where they are. If a person is stuck, they can provide a quick change. But then the person would have to leave the chemicals behind and adopt more traditional, not simply traditional, means that work better, such as meditation. Or, of course, which I recommend to most people who have not used those chemicals, uh, is to not bother to use them. To use meditation directly to dissociate yourself from the fixated personality and to learn to adopt the caretaker personalities. While meditation may take a little bit longer, it works. Uh, the psychedelic drugs that people use to do this only last a short time. You come down, in other words. Whereas when you meditate, as time goes on, you gently acclimate yourself to living in a more fluid state of being. And the power becomes greater and greater as the years go by. You become more and more fluid. Whereas with the psychedelic drugs, you reach a plateau and stop. With meditation, you'll never stop. And you don't have to worry about the interfering possibilities, uh, the negative side effects, in other words. Persons who have used these chemicals should feel that that's what life gave them at the time. If you used LSD or mescaline or psilocybin to change the personality structure, then don't feel that you did anything wrong. Life gave you those chemicals to use, to see something. Now, you may not have used them properly. You may have gotten caught up in just tripping out and having sense experiences and not using them properly. Properly meaning not in any specific way. This seemed to be the great controversy between Leary and Kesey at the time. Uh, Leary saying that, well, there's a certain way to use these chemicals, a ritual way for self-discovery, and Kesey saying, uh, taking the more Taoistic point of view, uh, don't think about it too much, just do it, there is no right and there is no wrong. Both interesting points of view. But ultimately both irrelevant. Lost in time. Washed away by eternity. So if you've used these drugs to alter the personality structure, just feel that that was right at the time. But that is no longer right. Even marijuana alters the personality structure in hashish. But in my estimation, it doesn't do it very well. So I think it's better not to use any drugs whatsoever and to deal with meditation, which is millions and millions of times more powerful and does it absolutely perfectly. So these folks in the 60s use these various chemicals, and some do today. And of course, they've been used for thousands of years. And people who use these chemicals usually adopt the personality of the child afterwards. So those were the flower children. The flower children, without knowing perhaps what they were doing consciously by using these chemicals, were bringing out the second caretaker personality. However, the flower children modality uh, doesn't really work in this world. The flower child uh, has trouble dealing with the rapid transit system with the complexities of a high-tech society. So you can use the caretaker personality of the child at home with friends on a walk by yourself. Be a child. Look at life through the eyes of a child. Christ advised this, and unless you enter the kingdom of heaven uh, as a child, uh, so you, you don't get in, was his point that you have to have that way of looking at things. It's a very safe, very pure way. If you live in a monastery, you can perhaps, unless you're running it, stay in that pure caretaker personality all the time. Uh, we see an image of it, of course, in The Brothers Karamazov by Dostoevsky and Alyosha. This is the caretaker personality of the child. When we think of many saints, innocent, pure, St. Francis, that's the caretaker personality of the child. A very good one to use. I recommend it highly, sometimes. 
But when you deal with the world more directly, I suggest the caretaker personality of the warrior. The warrior is calm and efficient. The warrior uses discipline. The warrior is happy. The weapon of the warrior is laughter. The warrior learns to be impeccable, to use her or his life as a way of attaining liberation. The warrior also is always at the beck and call of others. The warrior can be of service. I think of King Arthur and his knights with the code of chivalry, certain standards, while the commoners in the land may have fallen down to the lower depths. You rise above that. And even while others may not be interested in nobility of the soul, courage, valor, self-giving, sacrifice, dedication, kindness to others, protecting those who are weak, the warrior does these things. In a trashed-out world, the warrior shines in armor. The samurai, in the true sense of the term. The warrior never feels sorry for him or herself. If the warrior has to be upset, the warrior does so alone. And when the warrior goes out with others, the warrior smiles. The warrior doesn't have time for self-indulgence, for self-pity. The warrior will feel a certain amount of remorse for a comrade who's been lost, but then goes forward again. The warrior doesn't look back. Although the warrior carries the sword of discrimination and certainly learns from experience, the warrior is never at rest while the warrior takes breaks, a little R&R. The warrior is always practicing and training. Even though there may not be a battle for another year, the warrior is always staying in training. And the warrior loves the art of being a warrior and experiences deep kinship and comradeship on a very mature level with other warriors. They embrace. They live freely. And the warrior has the true humility if the warrior is a spiritual warrior. And the courage and cunning to succeed in even the most difficult of situations. So if you adopt this caretaker personality when you're in the world, then you'll find it very easy to effectively deal with the world I often recommend two of the books of Carlos Castaneda, Journey to Ixlan and Tales of Power, because Don Juan and Don Genero are Carlos's spiritual teachers, teach Carlos the way of the warrior. And as you read those two books, you'll get a deeper sense, not so much by Carlos's experiences, but by what they say, as reflected in the writings of Carlos, what this warrior is all about. So you can think of one image of the warrior, and you can adopt this mode. Just put yourself into that place, into that consciousness when you go out and deal with the world. You can think of the child who just reaches to God in innocence, who just is absorbed in joy at seeing a flower, at being with someone, who grows ever so quickly when you are in safe surroundings. And remember that the warrior is always humble, as is the child, the real warrior. That's their true condition, is humility. So these two basic caretaker personalities can be used when you deal with your being. You can use them with your internal emotions. If doubt or fear or anger enters in you, be like the child. Be too innocent and pure to even notice. Or be like the warrior, 
fight against them or simply shove them away. The child focuses on beauty, or you could say the child sees beauty in all things. The warrior knows what's what. The warrior knows that there's both good and bad. The child may not know that there's good and bad, because perhaps there isn't for the child. The warrior applauds good and fights against the bad, against evil. The child walks through this world, the innocent, seeing light and joy in everything. The warrior is always looking over his shoulder to see if there's someone behind him. He's always considering who may be around the next block. The warrior doesn't think negatively. The warrior thinks of light. The warrior is always looking for someone to be of service to, someone to help. The warrior has courage. The child has flexibility. Use these two caretaker personalities in the first years of your meditative practice. Adopt them. Use them as images for what you should be. Modify them as you will. You'll find that they'll help you terrifically in your spiritual growth and development. Throw away the personality form that you have now. Stop trying to think of yourself as a, as being a certain kind of person. You change constantly. The only reason you fixate is because your mind tells you that you're a certain kind of person. The reason the child grows more quickly than you do is that the child isn't fixated. It doesn't think, I am this, I am not this. I like chocolate, I don't like vanilla. The child is too busy trying everything. As you advance further, in your self-discovery, you will find that there are other caretaker personalities that you can adopt. These are perhaps a little more subtle, and I don't really recommend that you emulate them until many, 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 many years of meditation have passed. When you're truly grounded in the spirit of existence, when you live in a meditative consciousness all the time, when you've eliminated all hate and aggression, all fear and all selfishness from yourself, when these things are all gone away, when you live only for the welfare of others, not just as an idea, but 24 hours a day you're of service to others, when you swept the island of your being completely, then there are some other forms that you can use. One is the witness. Feel that you are a witness to eternity. You can't do anything. You can't act. All you can do is observe and witness. You're like a piece of paper in which someone writes down the history of the world. So feel, in other words, in this caretaker personality, that you are not active, that you are very, very passive. And as you watch your life go by you, as you watch people, places, and things, don't feel that you can act. Oh, you'll observe yourself acting, but realize that the infinite is acting through you, that you're only an instrument of eternity. Simply witness all that you see. Don't try and form or shape anything. Just let the river of life flow through you. Be a witness to eternality and immortality. Don't have a sense of self as actor, as doer. Feel rather that God is the doer. God does everything in you and through you. At best, all you can do is witness and observe the play of reality, the play of light, as it moves through your being. Another advanced caretaker personality that you can use is the seer, the visionary. Feel that you are a visionary, that your main purpose in life is just to see, 
and constantly look more deeply into all things. Never let your vision rest. Constantly look through eternity. Always trying to see that which is at the end of eternity. Be concerned with conditions, the nature of change, why change occurs. Look at the causative conditions of all things. Feel that you are a seer. In other words, you are vision. And that's your sole purpose in life and in existence. Another caretaker personality is the dream. Feel that you are a dream, that you don't really exist at all, but that you are a dream. As you walk through life, everyone and everything you see is part of that dream. Enjoy the dream and remember that what you really are is not simply the dream, but the dreamer. Somewhere you are asleep dreaming yourself into this dream. So remember that you are at once that which is in the dream, and at the same time you are the dreamer. And if you can wake up within your dream, which you should try to do with this caretaker personality, then you can make the dream into whatever you like. If suddenly you realize, in other words, during a dream, while you're in the dream, while you're one of the beings that's in the dream, that it is a dream, then you should be able to manipulate that dream. You should be able to say, well, here I am in this dream. In essence, all things are possible in the dream. I can create whatever I like. Another caretaker personality is the sage. You should only employ this personality after you've been going into samadhi for some time. Feel that you are an embodiment of wisdom and humility. There's nothing that you want for yourself. The sage seeks only to serve others. If there's no one to serve, then be absorbed in meditation or be preparing your being to be of more service to others, but feel that you are wisdom and light. Another caretaker personality that you can utilize is the image of sacrifice. Feel that you are a living sacrifice. That is to say, you are only in this world to give to others beyond exhaustion. that your very purpose is to ferment life, is to give life. And that your own personal health, safety, and welfare is of little or no importance. You'll maintain yourself just enough to keep yourself going so you can be supportive. In other words, your life is the life of constant self-sacrifice. There are many, many more advanced caretaker personalities. When the time comes, they'll come to you. Try and be conscious, though, of your being. Realize that 
you have the power, you might say, to be whatever you'd like to be, but that you need to fashion yourself in a certain image of perfection. There are many images of perfection. And you need to catch on to one. And they're elusive at first, like a fish swimming through the water. You can reach in and grab it and it's gone. Realize that you are not the body or the mind, that your real essence is that immutable light, which is beyond change. Yet that you have a surface being that's in a constant state of revolution. Don't feel that you have to be stuck with the personality you've got now, because as you meditate, you'll watch it dissolve and go away. But you do need a personal form to deal with the world. I suggest that you adopt on an alternating basis the caretaker personality of the child and the warrior. And then, after many, many years of meditation, that you try some of the other more advanced caretaker personality forms. Whenever you have the opportunity, however, push all the forms away and be the formless. When you have the chance, let all those different selves wash away. Whether it's the caretaker personality of the teacher or the student, the warrior, the child, the sage, self-sacrifice, the witness, whatever it may be, there are many, many of them. Let them all fall away and just be that eternal essence that you are. Sit in meditation and be absorbed. Be absorbed beyond time, place, or condition. Let the radiant light of existence be you. Be absorbed in eternity. Beyond time, place, suffering. Be absorbed in life. And then use the caretaker personalities as an artist uses colors to paint beautiful pictures. Paint the beautiful picture of your life. In the beginning, your paintings may not look too good. They don't when you're learning, you know. But as time goes on, you'll become a master artist, a Rembrandt, Van Gogh, Matisse. And you'll make perfect paintings, each one different, each one unique, each one a reflection of God, which is all that we really are anyway. We're just a passing image, a reflection, not even a substance.